Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Modern Life. This is Sam, and today I am joined by both Tabby and Stacy, and we're going to be talking about two movies, Ford versus Ferrari, which just came out last year, and then also the movie Rush from 2013. We're going to talk about the movies, also comparing them a little bit, um, and without further ado, let's just dive right into it. Death, the more alive you feel. You're James, aren't you? Yes. Who's that? It's Nicky Lauda. He's just been signed by Ferrari. This is nobody. Look at the way he's driving like an old man. Right now, with zero incentive, why would I drive fast? Because I'm asking you to. So usually we do some modern thoughts, talk about some stuff that's on our mind, but since we do have two whole movies to get to, I think we're deciding to just skip that and dive right in. Um, All right, so we're starting off with kind of getting into more Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, let's it's start with that. about the 1966 Le Mans race. It came out, as you said, 2019 and was directed by James Mangold. And it kind of tells the story of Ford finally winning that race that year and the trials and tribulations that they had to go through and the cars they had to build to achieve that. Right. I saw this movie in the theater when it came out. And the first thing I noticed watching it at home for the first time, I had a, it was one of those movies where I had a really different experience watching it at home compared to the theater. Like sometimes it really matters where you watch the movie and sometimes it really doesn't, but... I remember in the theater, I was just so, the sound of the cars, mm. like, to me, it was spectacular, and it mm -hmm. kind of was part of what made that movie for me, and for whatever reason, it didn't quite translate at home as much, and it, I kind of really felt that missing from the movie. It just wasn't coming through the sound bar like I wanted <laughs> it to. Did you have that same experience, Stacey? Yeah. That's really tough with these types of movies where... um. And this did win for sound editing at the Oscars. Right. And that's, I actually really loved it. And I probably would have loved it even more in the theater. I, mm -hmm. I really loved the sounds and the sound of the cars that they found and recorded for it. And I thought that that Oscar was very well deserved. So we're going to be talking about Ford vs. Ferrari and Rush. And I don't want to start comparing the two already. But the mm -hmm. only real quick thing I, I will say for now is, is that when we watched Rush a couple of days later, I didn't have that same problem. I feel like the sound in that mm -hmm. movie came, it just translated better for like a home system. I don't know why, mm -hmm. um, but we'll, we can get to that later. No, I agree. Yeah, we can jump back and yeah. forth between the two. Um, while we're already on the Oscars, I just, I think we were all shocked that Christian Bale wasn't nominated for this as yeah. supporting actor. Especially who won Brad Pitt won, which is fine, but you compare <laughs> that to what Christian Bale does in this movie, and it's just like... That seemed like a pity Oscar for Pitt, right? He's like, oh, this, this guy's maybe overdue, let's give it to him. Like, see, seeing it again at home, I had such a different experience from the movie theater, and I liked Christian Bale when I saw it the first time, but I liked him so much better watching it at home. Like, there's certain things... Mm. Well, I think that, that, that you 
focus more in on the acting when you're right. at home versus like when you're in the theater, you have all the sounds like going and mm. you're just like, you're kind of wrapped in into the movie a little bit more mm-hmm. versus when you're home, like you can really like focus, you, you end up more focusing on what's being said and how people are delivering it and things like that. I see what you're saying. Like I definitely saw nuances in his acting that I didn't see while watching the film right. in the theater and his transformation that he makes like with all of his roles, but mm-hmm. it, especially in this one, just the little like tiny, tiny gestures he makes with his body, like physically mm-hmm. to like be able to capture their, to be able to capture it was phenomenal. Um, I would just imagine he would have back pain after. Oh my gosh. Like just the rolling over of the shoulders and just like, just (laughs) simple like body gestures that he made throughout when watching, when going back and like watching how the, the real guy was. Ken Miles. Yeah. Ken Mm -hmm. Miles. It was, it was just phenomenal how he took on the twitches. Right. So they show a picture Ken Miles at the end of the movie and I feel like Matt Damon doesn't really look like Carol Shelby that much, but Christian Bale really looks like Ken Miles. So that was just kind of my take. Well, that's the thing that I that really stood out to me in this is what Christian Bale was acting circles around Matt Damon, mm-hmm. and I don't think they were well matched. Well, this morning I walked in on you listening right, to an interview. Saw, yeah, so I remember listening to this interview with Matt Damon a little while ago, and I had to relook it up because I wasn't didn't entirely remember the whole thing on the podcast slash I mean it's sort of like a show now um off camera with mm-hmm. I think Sam Smith is his name mm-hmm. um he did an interview I want to say it was the early part of last year Matt Damon's talking about being on the movie set for the first time in 2 years and he's he's describing the movie he's like I'm wearing a cowboy hat and I'm wearing these jeans and boots and we're on we're filming on this raceway and then Sam Smith is like oh is this for the Ford Ferrari movie that's coming out Matt Damon's like, yeah, and Matt Damon goes on to talk about how he took a two-year hiatus because his dad died, he was in the hospital with his dad, and then after that, the whole family took like a year-long trip to Australia, apparently, just, I think he was really close to his dad from what I got in the interview, and it made so much sense because Matt Damon, it it seems like he hasn't acted in two years in this movie, he seems just kind of rusty, and I think we all know Matt Damon is a phenomenal actor, Mm -hmm. but you can... You can tell in this movie, he's like, something doesn't, he just seems kind of like stale bread a little bit. Well, doesn't he even like state that he didn't feel like the character? Like he was, he had such like a hard time, like becoming the character because Shelby was such a charismatic salesperson. Like everything he said was like gold coming out of his mouth. And then he said he was going through like such emotional turmoil at the time that like he had a really hard time trying to grasp onto that and like become the character, which he's never really had a problem doing in the past. But because of just where he was coming out of this two year like hiatus Mm -hmm. and just everything that was going on with his dad, that he like really had a hard time grasping that like charisma the first day of filming and he's wearing these cowboy boots he hasn't broken in and he's wearing these jeans he hasn't broken in and his cowboy hat's not comfortable mm-hmm. like and then later in the interview he goes on to talk about how he usually usually is so prepared for his roles that he's not surprised by anything come day one of filming and it's just didn't didn't seem like maybe he was that prepared mm. for this movie or just diving into acting after two years again like you can you can just tell it's just wasn't up to par with christian and i actually also think that christian bale had the better character to portray right i found this really great article by hannah elliott 
where she the article is called Ford versus Ferrari depicts a generation of car guys that's best left behind. And we've talked about this on the podcast before and how biopics depict certain aspects of people and what is our responsibility in labeling these people as heroes when they maybe weren't people we would admire mm. or look up to. That was the car culture at the time, like super macho male. There's yeah, no women sure. in this movie. And she's saying that it's still, it's it's a little bit grating for her because the car companies are still like that today. It's one of the industries mm. that's very far behind in equal gender representation. And then also uh, what she found out about Carol Shelby is like when he died, he was on his seventh divorce. He mistreated the people around him. He had a lack of loyalty because he would like sue people that he worked with. Mm -hmm. He was named as creating like a sexually hostile work environment. He was like a big game hunter in Africa, killing all these like animals. Right. And her quote on it, I really liked. It was Ford versus Ferrari puts in stark relief the stunted mentality of previous generations. Carol Shelby crystallized by Hollywood like a mosquito in amber is its totem artifact of generations dead and gone. For those who are serious about making brilliant, thrilling, innovative vehicles in the modern age, he's best left behind. I just thought that was a really cool sentence, and whether you agree with it or not, I just think that, yeah, Matt Damon had the character who was a little bit more of like a, do we really want to find out more about this character, who was kind of a jerk the whole time, and they had to change him a lot for the movie to make him more, like more likable, likable for the... For the audience. Whereas Christian Bale's character dies pretty soon after the race. Right, like six months after. I think that's one of my after. problems with the movie is that it's very... It takes a lot of liberties and it's very much... I, I, if you make a word out of it, ho Hollywoodized. Oh, right? super Hollywoodized. Where I don't... I actually wouldn't have minded if Matt Damon's character is a little bit more true to form, mm. right? And kind of this... Because... Carousel was supposed to be like master salesman and loudmouth, and you just you don't really get that from Matt Damon's character. I'm not saying it's his fault; it's just the way the character is written, right? Well, they they not only they not only did that to him, but they also did it. They villainized other characters in it that weren't actually yeah. as villainized right. so that's as the they. Thing. So they they toned like down Kiba, Shelby. I think his name is the BB. 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 One of the the execs at Ford, who's kind of the villain in the movie. From everything I've read, the guy wasn't. Like nearly as bad as no. what it's made out to be in the but movie. But do you need that in a movie? Do you need to so make like a villain? I was thinking about that. I don't, because I don't think you do. Because we'll get to rush, and like, it doesn't there do isn't that. Isn't really no. like a yeah. villain. I don't really think you need that because you have the fact that the sport itself is so high stakes. Like I don't think you need then also like a villain on top of that because these stories, these movies tell are. Mm -hmm. They're insane in their own right, and I don't think you need to then, like, have a villain on top of it. It's just, like, so old-school Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And especially yeah. in this age where every every TV show, the star is basically an anti-hero, right? I don't think you need to have mm -hmm. Shelby be this nice guy. I think it's okay if he's kind of an asshole, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it kind of... Because I, Ken Miles is really a likable character. Like, yeah. You don't need to have Shelby be the mm -hmm. likable character. Yeah, I kind of... I, I agree, and I think they did a better job in Rush with that, where they, like, showed... That Hunt was like such a womanizer, and, and Nikki Lauda's an asshole, and Nikki Lauda's <laughs> yeah. a complete other asshole. And you still <laughs> like their characters, but you like see their flaws as well. And I think you can do right. that. Well, I think that brings me to my next point: is that this movie is two and a half hours. It's too long. Mm -hmm. It's too long. I I got impatient. There's things that I wanted to just cut out. This movie does not need to be two and a half right. hours. If you just leave out maybe the villain or some right. of the other scenes. 
like the airplane scene. Why do I need to see this? What is going on? Like <laughs> we've already established so many things about this character. I don't need to also see like, oh, he can fly and is kind of reckless. Like I already know so that he's, watching he's the movie. He's going to this car show and he's like, oh, let me take over the airplane. Right, he's with right. the Ford execs and he's like making a whole stunt out of it. And he didn't do that in real life too. Like I fact checked that. It didn't Me too. Really yeah. 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 It's just another one of those things where I am, I, I get him. Then by the end of the movie, when things happen, I get impatient with them. Right. You know, because I'm like just ready for it to be over. And Rush right. is only two hours long. Yeah, and just, I don't know, coming back to the... Ford vs. Ferrari takes so many more liberties than Rush does. That whole story of Ford vs. Ferrari in the 60s, it's so iconic, and it kind of wrapping up with Ken Miles' death at the end, spoiler alert. I, I just think there's so much meat on the bone there. I don't think you need to then have... I think you could have focused in more just on Ken Miles and Carol Shelby's relationship. I don't think you need all these other Ford executives mm -hmm. that can just kind of be in the background... And the whole conflict can just be that, okay, Ken Miles didn't get to race, like, that first time around, right? Like, Ford didn't want him to be one of the drivers. Like, there's already enough kind of struggle in the story. And, like, his relationship with his wife, you know, Ken Miles. Like, I just, just seems so unnecessary to have this super comically evil mm -hmm. Ford exec in the background. Mm -hmm. Just seems a little silly. Oh, uh, yeah, that kind of brings me to the factory scene in the beginning, which is probably my least favorite scene. Yeah. Um, so old man Ford is in his factory, <laughs> he stops everything, and he's yelling at these, like, middle-class workers who are just putting the cars together, right. that he needs them to come up with an idea, even though he has this whole marketing team. Because <laughs> at first I'm watching the movie and I'm confused. I'm like, oh, was this before they had, like, a separate marketing thing and a separate... Right. You know, is this maybe like in no, an early age like of car production? And then I thought, oh, okay, so maybe this means that one of the factory workers will come up to Ford with like a great idea. Mm -hmm. This is what it's setting up. That right. that never happens. <laughs> it's just a whole scene of like, look at us hiring all these extras in this factory right. that we made. And I'm like, I don't need to see it. Right. It's so pointless. It's basically, Ford, Ford is somewhat on the decline. They're getting their butt kicked by Chevy. And GM. Ferrari's dominating the racing scene. And... Yeah, the exec comes up. He's like, we're getting our butts kicked and you guys all need to go home and I'm firing everybody unless someone comes up with a good idea. And I didn't find any evidence that that happened in real life. It didn't happen in real life. It wouldn't have happened. They they made, they made wrote like a couple articles about right. that. He would never. I mean, there was so many scenes where they showed him like interacting in the, in the movie mm -hmm. that would never have occurred. Like he never would have gotten into a car unchecked and like did that whole driving scene. With, it's, a great scene, it's a great scene, but it's it, yeah. it's not it's not factual. It's it wouldn't happen in reality. And I don't need everything to be factual. Like not everything in Rush is factual, but it just it needs to make sense in the movie. Yeah. you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And this was a scene that just didn't. Yeah, it, it, didn't it, it served anywhere. nothing. Yeah, exactly. You could have totally skipped that whole scene, and you could have given me more of an explanation of what's going on. Yes. So right after that scene, shortly after, you see them all. Uh, what's what's his name? The guy's always... Bernthal? Bernthal. John Bernthal. John Bernthal. We love John Bernthal, but he is always being John Bernthal in every movie. He's giving this presentation to uh, all the Ford execs shortly after the scene in the warehouse. And I feel like you could have just introduced all the... The whole Ford executive team. You could have just introduced me to them in that scene of Bernthal giving the meeting. Because you could have done all your exposition right there. You could have just given this PowerPoint or slideshow... Of just, you know, here's our sales, and Chevy's kicking our butt, and I have this great idea that we should 
you know, spend more money on our racing team and blah, blah, blah. You can just, you can set the whole thing up right there. It's just so pointless to mm. have this scene in the, in the mm-hmm. warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. And I also just, either the exposition's bad or I just don't know enough about this. We had to keep pausing because I didn't know about Ford and Chevy having this rivalry. I didn't know what Le Mans was. I didn't know right. where the other two drivers, if there's three drivers, like we had to keep stopping because I didn't understand what, what was happening. Which is interesting if it's such a niche movie mm. for like driving fans, then but then it gets nominated for best. Well, it picture. was like number one at the. Bo- I mean, it was a huge yeah, movie. I don't know. It really well. So maybe this is just me not understanding. What no, I think it has to do with like where you were you were born versus because like, I didn't know anything mm. about like when we went to watch like the rush and like all that stuff. I didn't know anything about that European F1. racing. Like I didn't know yeah. anything about F one, so I was a little confused by all of that. I grew up with like NASCAR mm-hmm. and like more of this kind of scene. So I knew about a lot of the, you know, Ford versus Chevy and things mm-hmm. like that. I never questioned mm-hmm. any of it watching it, but I, when I was watching Rush, it was like, okay, what's going on? Like, but they do a better job in Rush of like explaining things, mm-hmm. well, but still a, like, it was definitely simpler. a lack of Yeah, you of just knowledge. go in a circle. Le, and- Le Mans and everything leading up to Le Mans. You do races and this is shown in the movie before Le Mans to kind of test out everything. It has nothing to do with Le Mans where yeah. as an F1, it's it's almost like its own, it's like its own league. And also, now that you brought that up, I'm curious to see if Ford versus Ferrari did, didn't do as well as it did in the US because other countries aren't as familiar with Maybe Ford and Chevy and this whole. Probably not. Yeah. I don't know. It's. I don't know. No, that... uh, I didn't look that up. I think the biggest flaw in the movie is that it doesn't it doesn't explain Le Mans very well at all. And if I know a little bit about it, so I I was fine. But I was thinking both times watching it, if I didn't know anything about how kind of this racing works, I feel like I would be really lost. And you seem to be pretty lost mm-hmm. watching it with you, Tabby. And kind of for people who don't know, Le Mans is this crazy race. It goes on for 24 hours. In this instance, Ford had... Actually, Ford submitted like eight teams. And I think there were six. But there's different... It gets super complicated because there's different classes of cars. But like Hmm. there's the three main racing teams, right? So all, all three cars finish at the same time. That was that iconic moment that happened in real life. Now, two of those cars were actually under the Shelby racing team, right? Which is mm. never shown in the movie. You think just Shelby has, like, just, just Ken Miles yeah. with, like, one car. Shelby actually was in charge of two teams, and then the third car was part of a different four team that crossed. Hmm. Also, Le Mans, you have, because it's such a long race, you have three drivers. What I didn't know is that actually didn't start happening until, I think, 1980? Or in the 80s, before that, which is all, which is during this movie, because it's in the 60s, you only had two drivers per team, which is insane. Wait, I thought it me. was three drivers. They kept saying three drivers. I looked at the results, and there's only two drivers listed as oh, per okay. car. If if you look at the results through history, so the movie doesn't it doesn't really explain you how Le Mans works that well, and then also I don't think it really shows that grueling aspect of race car drive like and maybe some people don't grasp but like how you have to drive for 12 hours like at mm-hmm. 200 miles an hour it's insanely grueling on your body like if the movie could have jumped into that a little more yeah, yeah i definitely could have felt like they 
did a poor job of like going into how hard it was, you know, how hard that, yeah, that I mean, it it's, just, it's an insane race, especially back then with only two drivers. I mean, it's, I mean, crazy. I can barely imagine like truck drivers going right. all night and they're not going at like these insane. Yeah. They're not experiencing uh, the G forces. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's absolutely grueling on your body. Just an F1 alone, you didn't believe me this, the, F, the F1 drivers lose, what was it, like 20 to 30 pounds per race just from all the water their body loses. I mean, racing is crazy on your body, and mm -hmm. this movie doesn't totally jump into that. I just think it could have explained a little bit more about how the racing actually works. You know, if when you see, wait, wait, why is there three Ford cars crossing the line? Mm -hmm. I thought there was only like one driver taking shift. Like, I just... It's okay, not, so each car yeah. has then two drivers. And each there's car three in this instance, from what cars. I can tell, okay. had two drivers. Yeah. Got it. And they're they're all separate teams, technically, right? Um, something I did really like seeing in the movie was the pit stops. They took yeah. 67 <laughs> seconds back in the day. I was like, what's happening? Are they stopping? And you were like, no, yeah. that's how long pit stops it's were. Pit stops, yeah. <laughs> when you day. look at pit stops now, it's like a second, two seconds two, long. It's two it's seconds, crazy. yeah. But well, also, I think that's also engineering too. Like the cars have improved so much. Like, oh yeah. I mean, they had to like redesign like an entire brake, like the entire brake system. Cars to be... have improved. The tools you use, yeah. right? Like now you can refuel a race car in like two seconds. Just, I mean, you see these giant hoses they attach to the car, and then just the amount of pressure the fuel is. Yeah, because in, in the old school video that I looked up on YouTube, you just have a canister and you're they're pouring yeah, it in. So yeah. there's no pressure forcing it in. Mm -hmm. And in so, this one they have pressure, but if you uh, and it's a pretty big hose if you see it, but it's nothing like the technology they have now. And if you look at you know, not Le Mans, but if you look at something like F one, I'm pretty sure you're not you get like one fuel tank per like you don't even refuel anymore with certain races. Mm -hmm. So you're really just changing the tires at that point. Because they're so why, energy efficient now. Right. Mm. Yeah. Well, that and it's it has to do with, you know, they have to certain regulations and cutting. You can only use so much gas with global warming and everything. Oh, like they're trying to also comply to that. Hmm. Um, another thing I wanted to say about Christian Bale that I forgot to say before is he has oil under his fingernails. And in the creases mm -hmm. of his hands that will, it will never come out. You know this because your dad is a mechanic. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can wash your hands all day. It won't come out. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was such a cool little detail for Christian Bale's character to yeah. have. Like you, you believe him completely that he's this car guy. And then the next scene I actually had a question about. There is a scene of Christian Bale fixing cars and he's listening to the radio. Mm -hmm. He's in the hangar and then his wife comes in and they're like drinking beers. Mm -hmm. I think this is when he's left behind. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's the first year where he was supposed to race and then gets left behind. He um, is listening to the radio and I could not hear anything on the radio. Mm -hmm. And I asked you two, what is the radio saying? And you guys said, I can't hear anything. But, but was this audible in the movie theater? I remember hearing it in the movie theater. Yeah. Oh, I, interesting. I clearly remember you can kind of tell what's going on in the race. Oh, it was about the race. Oh, the whole thing. He was listening to the oh, race. Yeah, he's, he's I, just, I, I didn't hear yeah. any. Maybe there's something wrong with our speakers. Because I was just, like. He's listening to the race that he wasn't able then to go to. Yeah. Got um, it. Great. <laughs> no, but again, so there's something that just didn't. Something didn't translate from the movie theater sound to our sound here at home as much as it does with other movies. So I don't, you know, I don't know how that all works. But well, was Rush supposed, when it came out, I know this is a 
small fact. I'm just curious. Was Rush supposed to be like a blockbuster or was it released yeah, it was more? The was it released as yeah, like a blockbuster? It's, a semi, it's like a semi blockbuster. I mean, it's like a like, Ron Howard movie. Yeah, you know? I'm, oh, I'm just yeah. asking, like, because mm-hmm. like Ford versus Ferrari, like, I mean, it's it was. I don't think to it be, has the budget of a Ford Ferrari, but that's it's like, what it's I'm like a semi. It's I'm a wondering. Blockbuster. I, I don't know. I'm just wondering if when they made that movie, if they made it more for. Because, you know, some movies are made to, like, be played on your mm-hmm. TV. You know sure. what I mean? Versus some mm-hmm. movies that are, like, literally, they never are going to be the same on your right. screen as they right. are, like, in mm-hmm. the movie theater. just wondering if there was a difference in, like, how they filmed those two movies based on, like, what types of movies they were. I don't know. That's... Well, but what I find interesting is, to me, Rush is a better looking movie than Ford versus Ferrari. Hmm. Or, or just as good. And it doesn't have the right. budget. It doesn't get nominated for any Oscars. I don't know. Do you think it's that much different? Do you look at Ford versus Ferrari and you're like, oh, wow, this is so many years later. And to me, Ferrari definitely has just, it's got that it factor of like a big Hollywood movie where it just has a certain look, like a certain kind of polish to it, if that makes sense. Hmm. I think both movies look great, but. I think Ron Howard just really worked with what he had and made it. Well, Ron Howard's also like. Yeah. He's a really seasoned guy. Yeah. So I, you know. It's just interesting comparing what each person did with. I wish mm. that I could have seen Rush in the movie theater because yeah. I didn't. So I have no comparison mm. in the big theater versus like on screen, you know, home video. I, I think it may have come across different. It might have the, seen different colors. It may have been different sounds sounds that I noticed that I, I won't be able to compare There right was now. something about seeing Ford Ferrari in the theater that just really worked. I mean, as far as the sound, for sure, but just seeing, like, there's something about seeing two really good actors across on the sc- on, on the screen, on, like, a big screen, like, in that setting. Like, there's a little bit of that movie magic that happens, mm-hmm. like, Christian Bale, Matt Damon. You almost get mesmerized by that a little bit. It's just, mm-hmm. to me, it was a whole different experience in the theater, to where Rush has, you know, in 2013... Chris Hemsworth is just coming up, right? He's not that big of a star yet. And uh, Daniel Brewer. Daniel Brewer, who is, they're both amazing, but. They haven't hit I their think peak part, yet. I think part of that movie magic is it. I know you guys don't care about this movie. When you see like the movie Heat and you see De Niro across from Pacino, like there's yeah. something about mm-hmm. two seasoned great actors like on the big screen together that's like part of that movie magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have a really interesting fact. So in 1969, Jackie Ixch, I don't know how to say that name. <laughs> he walked to his car instead of running. We see that scene in the movie. Yeah, you, get, yeah. you don't start out in your car. You have to run in towards Mans, your car. You run to the car yeah. So he was last to start, but he was first to finish. And it was his personal protest. And you see this in the movie. Christian Bale's helmet gets stuck on the door. The door gets bent and he cannot close the door mm. in the first lap. Yeah. This is a time in racing. We see this in Russia again. Everybody's constantly dying. Mm-hmm. People wouldn't put on their safety, anything, their seatbelts, nothing, because you're right. just trying to run out of there. And shortly after that, they did change that regulation so that you would be safely in right. your car instead of running towards your car and then not getting strapped yeah, in Racing has gotten crazy safe. There was like a dozen race car drivers that used to die every year. It yeah. doesn't happen anymore. More than that in some yeah. of those races. Yeah. I think they said that the year that... Rush year, there was like 50 racers that died mm-hmm. in F1. Which also makes it part of the whole 60s, 70s, 80s. It's just these glory, like race car drivers, I think more than now are just such 
larger than life figures. Oh yeah, they're maniacs. Mm-hmm. Be- because it's such a dangerous job, and also, I mean, it's the same that happens with Hollywood stars. There's just less big race car. Now there's so many different types. You know, you have motorcycle racing, mm, and yeah. you have rally cross. There's so many racers. Where back then, there's not that many racers. It's a really dangerous job. So it's like there are these like astronauts but they drive cars instead of spaceships right, right? Yeah, like right. they're these larger than life figures um i wanted to say something also about the costumes in ford versus ferrari we get that 60s like really great suit textures yeah, the skinny blue you like that? yeah i love the skinny ties mm. everybody's got the skinny ties and then when we go into rush in the 70s it's always fun to me like even if it's like a parody and it's austin powers i think those decades are just always such fun to look at and you know they got the white pants and so it's (laughs) it's again something that makes both of these movies just fun to look at Mm -hmm. for me is the costumes can we talk about the wife in ford ferrari Oh, she's my favorite. She kind of makes the movie for me. You were joking about like, I'm here to audition for female. I play wife number one. <laughs> um, she, I mean, she really balances the movie out. She's like this voice of reason. And she's really well written. Oh, yeah. For a character that's not in the movie that much, she has such an impact, especially on the Ken Miles character. That whole scene where they're getting groceries, mm-hmm. and then she's mad at him, and she starts speeding through the country road, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, He's the race car driver, and he's yeah. like telling her to slow down, and she's just like, you like, you have to talk to me. Like, like we're married, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's so great. Like Ken Miles is just, he's kind of a little whacked out of his mind. I kind of feel like that's why you like, like Ken Miles right? more. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like without her role, you wouldn't like his character as much. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like she's the reason you like him so much because he kind of comes off like a dick too. And she kind of like, in the background is like, what Which to softens me is why him. you didn't need to then kind of make Carol Shelby's character so nice because you already have a really nice character in the movie, right? Yeah. You, you have that pure character. You don't need to be... You don't need to have Shel- Carol Shelby mm-hmm. be like mm-hmm. that good old all-American boy. Like, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's great. I think she's, she's my favorite in the movie. She's just great. Like, when, when the two... When the two boys are fighting, she, like, pulls up the lawn chair. Like, That's actually the next scene that I was gonna say something about. Mm-hmm. Because this movie gave me really mixed signals on making a statement about macho culture and that scene does such a great job of it because they're fighting but they're but they're just rolling around the grass yeah, like they're they're, they're, they're idiots friends, yeah. and and i thought that was such a such a phenomenal scene but then you have other scenes like with the with ford where he compares his little car races to his dad's experiences in world war ii (laughs) and i'm like not not the same (laughs) and it's just also something that like these macho guys do of like comparing all their struggles to like a war or conflict or but that's their motivation i don't know no no no, no. i'm fine with showing that it's Mm. just in those scenes the movies made it look like look how cool this guy is instead of framing it in a way that passes judgment on it yet in scenes like the the wrestling scene it it clearly is like well this is ridiculous right and the movie just gave me like really mixed signals of like 
am I supposed to find this cool or am I supposed to find this like outdated? And so when, when Ford gives Shelby the whole speech of, we used like, to make yeah. World War II bombers here. And like, this is not the first time we've been at war. It's like, this is not a like, World War II. Is this supposed to be II. inspiring or is it supposed to be right. slightly parody? I right. See what you're so I, I, I always thought that that was like more of a parody. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think it's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> Well, well, I just I think, think it, I felt like that was just a part of like his his representation of the role because Ford was obsessed. From what I had read, mm-hmm. he was obsessed with his father, his grandfather, and like right. how in Makes comparison sense. and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think they did a. I think that that was needed to show who he was as a person, and I get a very Trump vibe from him. <laughs> like right, but I think just the fact that we are confused about it sort of means that the movie is a little. Mm-hmm. flip-floppy at times like the scene on the grass we're not confused about that right we're supposed to laugh at that and you're you're what you just said is completely valid so the fact that we're all taking away like different things from it it's kind of like i don't know i feel like that happens in every movie like you bring your own experiences in, yeah, and then no, you take sure. from it what you want but if i then compare that to chris hemsworth's character we're not supposed to think that the way he treats olivia wilde is in any way acceptable right right that movie sure. knows what kind of who it's portraying Mm. and i felt like ford versus ferrari was kind of stuck sometimes between that idolizing these people but then also trying to say something true about them and being a little trying to do too many things again that makes more sense to me like kind of trying to balance it out and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't yes yeah 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 so a few a few things (laughs) the scene where damon and bale roll around the grass i somehow missed this in the movie theater there's a really quick shot uh, I think Christian Bale, Ken Miles, he's like trying to reach for a weapon in the grocery bag and he like picks up the, Wonder the Bread? canned beans. Oh, the beans. And then he drops and picks up the Wonder Bread and starts hitting my thing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't see like him almost reaching for the beans when I first watched it, which I thought was such a great detail of like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, actually, I don't want to like hurt this guy. I just, yeah. I'm just wrestling around. He starts hitting him with <laughs> like a soft bag of bread. <laughs> that um, was a great scene. <laughs> And then the other thing, <laughs> just to kind of come back on what you said, it is weird how it, it does, the movie romanticizes certain parts of the story, but to me overall, like Ford as a whole actually looks really bad in this movie, right? It looks like just Ford is just Infighting. all these incompetent yeah. execs who are all kind of infighting. And Enzo gets one up on him right in the beginning like of the Ford, movie. Ford actually looks really bad in this movie like they're just always kind of in the way from from everything i've read that wasn't entirely the case i know there was like micromanaging going on but not to that extent yeah they weren't really as as against miles as the movie portrays but i think it's just it's just weird because it's it's this iconic story of ford in the 60s right and the movie is called right but then ford actually looks really bad in the movie Obviously, the movie ends up being not really about Ford at all. It's it's about Carol Shelby and Ken Miles. Mm-hmm. To where you walk away from the movie and go like, Ford, yeah, Ford looks really bad yeah. here. <laughs> Cut half an hour of this movie, tighten it. Yeah. Um, the only last thing I had to say about this was this movie winning for editing. Yeah, I don't. I thought the editing was in rush was actually insane. Rewatching it for the first time in a while, hmm. the editing of. Just the how these cuts, they're all separate cuts, but they flow together really well to where it'll show the race car approaching and you're kind of on that the apex where it's like striped red mm-hmm. and white, middle of the corner. 
You'll see that approaching, and then the second the car goes by, you see the shot going the other way, and you just see all these leaves blowing, like oh, that kind of show you all the, the leaves, speed. Yeah, and then it goes right into the cockpit, and like the shifting gears right to the driver's face, but it all kind of makes it look like one shot. And like I thought, the editing was really well done. In yeah, the race no, cars let, honestly, there. let's get into let's get into Rush because the, the only the only other thing I wanted to say about Ford Ferrari before we get into Rush. Mm-hmm. Is at the beginning you said like is this this is something that's better left behind right these stories of these macho guys and this I see yeah what the right? the only thing I would said. have to say about that is I get where that's coming from but it's also it's such a great story like where where is that balance of telling the story even when the people in that story or mm-hmm. like Carol Shelby are mm-hmm. not like the greatest people. Yeah, like, and don't I think you still Rush, need to tell that story. I though? think Rush did that so well, and I think that's right. just what I had a little bit of problems okay. with with Ford versus Ferrari was trying to. Because you can, I guess, but like you we could, said, it takes liberties. You can still glorify the story without glorifying yes. the people in it. Yes, they should have had you as a consultant on Ford <laughs> versus Ferrari. <laughs> but which again brings back to the point: they they don't have any problem making Ford look bad, but Carol Shelby has to be kind of like the hero in the story, right? Yeah, which again is kind of like you can know. you can make people not look like and yeah. we'll, we'll get into Rush. Well, you you can look like an asshole and still be the hero in the story, yeah. right? That's but okay. When we were watching Rush, and maybe it is the editing, my heartbeat was up yeah. watching the racing scenes, and they weren't when I was watching. But maybe they would have been if I had seen it in the movie theater. So that, I that's don't... the first thing I noticed because Rush starts right with the racing, and I guess Ford Ferrari sort of does too. But in Rush, you really feel the speed of these cars yeah. it does a really good job showing that and it doesn't do that good of a job showing it in ford ferrari it's not there isn't as much detail about the cars there's all these great shots how the, and it goes like on the inside of the engine and rush right you see like the mm-hmm. pistons the go like, yeah. there's these it really focuses in on the cars a lot and then it's constantly showing you how fast these cars are because it'll have these shots of the cameras really low to the ground and the car's going mm. right by the camera, and then all these leaves flying. Like, you just feel how fast these cars mm. are. It does a really good job of that. So, just a really quick summary Rush, directed by Ron Howard, came out in 2013, and it takes place around 1970s and tells the story of the rivalry between Hunt, uh, who plays is played by Chris Hemsworth, Hunt by Hemsworth. and then mm-hmm. Nikki Lauda, who used to be an F1 racer, and he is played by Daniel Bruhl. Who just died last year, I think. And we had a modern thought about it. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, though, it was helpful in those scenes to have an actual racer be so in part of making the movie. Totally, I was going to get to uh, that. that yeah. I, Nikki Lauda, like, was... Oh, right there oh, yeah. through the entire making of Rush and yeah. was like watched it and like mm-hmm. helped like uh, Daniel how do you say his last name again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna try uh, I'm gonna refer to him as Daniel uh, he like spent so much time with Nicky mm-hmm. Lada like learning his, mm-hmm. his like all of his little in- intricacies and mm-hmm. I think that that really plays up in the movie because they don't think they had that with Ford versus Ferrari like I didn't hear anything about you you listen to where, where he Lauda is like talking about meeting with the scriptwriter. well what Stacy just said mm-hmm. is when Nicky Lauda asked Daniel Brewer what are you what are you most scared of doing this movie Daniel Brewer said well you being alive obviously yeah. You're here to like judge me and you I have to be like exactly like you. Mm-hmm. 
And what Nicky Laudas in the interview, the script would say, like, you put your keys in the car and drive away. And he's like, there are no keys. There's like only a button. On, yeah. You turn the key and you go off in the car. Yeah. And Nicky Laudas like, no, 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 that's not how cars work. So not how these race cars yeah. work. It's like, he's like, I can't even put my own seatbelt on. Someone has to do that for me. Like all these great little details and insight you get from him telling his own story and you can research, but it's different when you're actually, you've experienced right. it because you, mm -hmm. you know how it feels and it's easier for you to help someone replicate it mm -hmm. if you can give them those details and like the feelings. And I think you get that with Rush a lot. And that's why you get so yeah. like amped up during the scenes, like the racing scenes is because it's told from a racer's perspective versus um with ford versus ferrari it was like it wasn't from a racer's it perspective. it was more of a was, biopic yes like, exactly yeah. it, and it's it's completely different perspective that you're seeing the movie from right but then you also mm -hmm. yeah i mean it helps if someone like lauda give you those details because i mean script writers aren't they're focusing in on writing the story and the characters and then these details get missed and when you have especially someone like lauda who's very straightforward and he's mm -hmm. gonna tell you what's on his mind and he's like hounding you about getting these details right because what didn't he like tell the guy he goes you know if he's like you have to share with me if i'm gonna share with you and he makes the guy he makes the script writer like read the script to him i i just wonder without lauda being there does Rush, because Rush is doesn't take a lot of liberties, and it's very. I think the biggest liberty, accurate. yeah, it's pretty accurate with almost all scenes except for like Nikki Lauda and James Hunt were actually like friends, um, which the movie didn't show that they were previous that they even knew each other previous. Like, right? You know, mm -hmm. I, I just no, you gotta set. Something. But that was like the only big liberty, other than yeah. that, mm -hmm. like most of the scenes. I think the only other. Liberty was they added in that whole scene with the um, reporter that didn't actually happen. Right. I don't uh, like that I, the, scene. Hemsworth beats up the reporter. Yeah, I mean. I like that scene because it shows. That was the scene that made the friendship real to me. Right. There could have been a way to do that without yeah. the violence. <laughs> I don't know. So Nikki Lauda has his first press conference after being back from the hospital and the reporter asks him a super rude question and Hunt, after the press conference, like beats the crap out of the reporter. I don't know. I guess you don't have to have the violence. I like it because it cements, okay, Hunt cares about him too. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? And yeah. I, and I, it didn't seem unfitting that Hunt would do something like that. Like mm. it didn't seem out of character for me for right. him to just lose his temper. So it, it worked yeah. for me, but I know it didn't work for you, but you don't like that masculine. Well, I don't know. I just, from watching interviews with Hunt, like, yeah, he was kind of a womanizer and doing drugs, but I don't know if he was violent and. Yeah, I don't know, but going back to what Stacy said, that the movie takes a few liberties. Um, Nicky Lauda said that he really loved the ending of the movie where he says like, oh, I wasn't surprised when he died. I was mm. just really sad. And he thought that that really summed up that they had this really great friendship and then it evolved into this rivalry and then it just ended in friendship again. And mm -hmm. he really loved the ending of the movie. Yeah. He's saying like he, he needs son. He needs that enemy. to. Mm -hmm. He needs a guy. So, so he can push himself yeah. right i love the intro I, I love a lot of things about rush i don't know if you noticed in the intro there's all these different languages being spoken like over kind of a radio voice mm -hmm. filter mm -hmm. and it's just all these voices talking about the condition of the race because the big thing was that it was just raining like crazy which is you know part of the reason why nikki Lauda ended up crashing his car that day I just, yes, it's just it, one of these details yeah. that kind of gets missed if you don't really pay attention. I thought it was yeah. kind of nice. It's all these different languages talking about how wet the race is, right? Mm -hmm. By the time he crashed, it had dried mostly, but there was still a wet patch and he 
he messed up. He like hit it and his right. car spun out of control. Well, they actually don't know exactly what happened because he has no memory of the, the accident right. at all. I'm so, sure. But that's what they think happened. And they also said that something could have happened to the Reuter, the forget what it's called but the something in the car yeah, yeah something in the car broke too but they don't have and any even, proof even it, if it has nothing to do with the track being wet directly it's also affected by the fact that he had to change his tires from wet to dry they took a while in the pit stop and then he's driving like a maniac trying oh, to catch up trying to catch right? up yes so it all ends up going back to yes that it was so wet yeah, do you want to talk about the, the crash? Yeah, sure. Like, the scene in the movie is like, I know he's going to live, but I'm still just like, oh my God. <laughs> in the whole God. movie, just constantly just like, <gasps> <gasps> Next like scene. Well, I mean, that's, it was so dead on, it, except there was like four people in the movie, like helping him to get out. In reality, there was only like one person. I, was yeah. I did look that him. up. So that's something that I tried to also look up in Ford versus Ferrari, because you see people crashing there and everybody just keeps driving. Mm-hmm. And then there was that really horrible accident in 55 where 80 spectators died and there's like dead bodies lying around everybody (laughs) just keeps driving but here like so you have one guy trying to flag down drivers and arturo mersario stopped and got it he could have kept driving he got out of his car um there was one guy trying to hose the car down so the flames would stop i think that was watson i think that's actually the person that was like holding him when and two people were holding arturo mersario while he's trying not to fall into the flames, get Niki Lauda out. By the time Niki Lauda finally passes out, they're able to get him out mm-hmm. because his body's completely relaxed mm-hmm. and they couldn't get him out no, of he the... No, he didn't... At least what I re- read was that he was still awake the entire time because he was talking to Watson as he was, his head was in his lap afterwards where they're waiting they, for the No, there was back. one person who resuscitated him. Yeah. And that person, if they hadn't resuscitated him, Niki Lauda would have ended up in a coma. Hmm. Okay. So he goes unconscious. They finally are able to get him out. And Arturo Mazzario says this physically just shouldn't be able to work because he is a tiny little guy. He's pulling this dead weight out of a car and he's mm-hmm. like, it's just pure right. adrenaline yeah. at this point. Always. I'm like reaching into the flames. So they pull his helmet off. Um, which makes all the skin like rip off of his like head. And then the person who resuscitates him was like, yeah, it was really important in getting him back conscious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess he was like asking him like, how bad is my burn? And he like had to tell him like, don't worry about it. It's fine. Oh, try and like make him stay calm. So he'll stay awake and not freak out and like go into panic. Yeah. So what you said where like in Le Mans, there's instances of all these people dying and the race just kind of goes on. And with, Ferrari, right? Like this guy gets out of his car, stops the race, helps Niglara. I think because an it's F- endurance race. No, I, I think what it is more from everything I can tell because F one is like its own little thing, and these guys race together with each other all year. There's much more of a sense of community. To where in mm-hmm. Le Mans, you have all these different racers, and they might see each other, you know, at different races throughout the year, but they're not like traveling around the world together partaking all these races i think you really get as much as these guys are competing with each other there's definitely that sense of community that yeah I, you get that with like you can see it from james hunt like in the very beginning of the mm-hmm. movie when somebody died man you can like see him watching oh, it yeah, or, yeah and he like you can mm-hmm. feel the, the like him like being up physically upset about right. it you know what i mean so you definitely get that sense that they're there there's more of a community there yeah and i mean i think the movie does a great job of illustrating that this was a time when People just died all the time. You know, the guy's asking him for the date on the autograph Mm -hmm. in case he dies. Um, So when Nicky Lauda's in the hospital, he remembers having this really great feeling and going into this black hole. 
he had to pull himself out of that and he thinks that that's when he was about to die. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, I have to listen to the nurses and the doctors and there's that famous scene of the priest that happened in real life mm. where the priest <laughs> is giving him his final rights and he's like, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when the, still alive. <laughs> fuck you. And when the wife comes into the room, this is a really great movie scene where she just sits down next to him when he looks so terrible and she's holding his mm. hand. In and reality, she, she fainted, fainted, right? Yeah, yeah. I would have fainted too. Oh I would have been God, like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> they make him look somewhat good in the movie with all the scars, I feel like, still. Mm. If, if you look at some of the real-life pictures of him, oh, like, race, like the, I feel like he actually yeah. aged better with it, but... Those first few years after he has all those burns on his face, like, it looks pretty brutal. And, like, half his hair is, like, on here. Yeah. And... Well, you know that red hat he always wears ends up becoming, like, a huge source right. of income for him? Because he would put, oh, really? like, different different motor things on the thing and they would pay him to wear it because it was... <laughs> yeah, he was always wearing a hat. Mm-hmm. This movie has some really funny scenes. That's something... Mm-hmm. Like, Ford Ferrari... There's a couple enduring scenes, but there's a couple scenes here where just laugh oh, yeah. out loud funny. It's like so when good. when the when their car breaks down and the Italian the two Italian guys oh, God, that was like great. hits you know, pick them up. That, that whole scene oh my God. from from beginning to so many things happen in the scene. We get introduced to the wife. Mm-hmm. We know why they're attracted to one another. We get that Nicky Lara's becoming famous because the two Italian guys mm-hmm. recognize him. We see him. We see him being good with cars because he knows the car is about to break mm-hmm. down. We see him driving a car. Like so many things happen to illustrate character yeah. in yeah. that one scene. Yeah, it's a big it's scene. It's brilliant. And then it's funny on top of it because the two and Italian guys are just freaking out. Yeah, they're like, Nicky Lauda. Oh my God, yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, oh. it's great. That scene is a really well-written scene. It's Yeah, and it. I mean, it wasn't a true scene. Like it was added in for effect, yeah. but it was perfectly done it's summed up like a huge period in very little time yeah yeah yeah, there's there's a scene when nicky lauda first test drive the ferrari car after he gets signed by the team and he's like this car's a piece of shit and the guy's like you can't say that he's like mocking like oh my god like there's some really (laughs) the line at the end where chris hemsworth is like you're the only guy whose face gets burned off and it's an improvement (laughs) (laughs) it's a great line like to me this movie has much more I'm going to call it like emotional dynamics compared to Ford Ferrari. There's these really low lows and these really high highs to where Ford and Ferrari, it's a little bit more evened out. It's not quite as dramatic of a swing, right? You have these really funny scenes followed by Nicolauda getting his face burned off, followed by, oh, you know, a great racing scene. Someone gets first place, followed by Chris Hemsworth getting like divorced. Mm-hmm. It's just going all over the place, mm-hmm. and it really kind of to me for me it really works because you just kind of, especially for the characters, you know, you get the bond with them more. Well, and they introduce the characters right away in a way that I'm like, oh, I get these two people. Right. Because one guy's very methodical, like, oh, he's been on the track the whole morning, he's checking everything mm-hmm. out. The other guy shows yeah. up like on drugs, and yeah. then the way they race. Chris Hemsworth is like a total shark and Nikki Lauda right. falls for it. And like right away, I'm like, oh, okay, I get who these characters right. are and how they drive. And there's not a lot of fat in the movie that a little bit that could even be cut is 
like in the beginning when Chris Hemsworth walks into the hospital and then he starts hooking up with the nurse. Like that Worst nurse ever. It doesn't need to be a five-minute scene. <laughs> no, you can just yeah. kind of show that he's going to hook up with the nurse and we yeah. kind of get that this is who this character I is. I noticed that this time around too that that scene just kept going on and I didn't yeah. remember it going on for so and then long. Bef- and then all of a sudden he's getting the award for like driver of the year and he's got a new girlfriend. You're like, wait, what happened to the... Why did we spend so much time yeah, with like, the Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't understand that. <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of stuff like that that could have mm-hmm. maybe be left on the cutting room floor, but overall, it's a really tight movie, and a lot of the exposition happens like naturally. Yes. Right. Yeah. I want to talk about Nikki Lauda's dad in this movie. Okay. Who, first of all, great that they actually got somebody who's with an Austrian accent to play the dad, <laughs> and I think the dad is like shown as such a jerk. Mm-hmm. But think about it. You come from like an educated, pretty wealthy family mm-hmm. and your idiot son comes up to you and is like, I'm going to be a race car Wanna driver drive, where, where I'm probably going to die. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of shows the dad being, it's supposed mm-hmm. to show that Nikki Lauda is self-made. But right. at the same time, I'm like, did they have to show the dad to be so mean? Like, I don't know if that scene works for me because... It's but really it, it, such an idiotic proposal for Nicky Lauda to make to his dad. I, I don't know if the dad comes off mean. He's just dad's just putting his foot down. Uh, what okay. he you know what he's standing for. I don't see the dad coming off as okay. a jerk. Okay, I wasn't I wasn't sure yeah. about that. So like I put myself in the shoes of that dad, and this is like this is like your last stand trying to convince your son not yeah. to do this stupid thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, and he's not going to give him any money to do it either. You know from, what I mean? Yeah. Like, from what Nikki Lauda said, I guess he broke off, like, all contact with his family for a while because he just, every time he would talk to them, it just kept being an argument of why, why is he racing? And he's like, I don't need this in my life right now. I'm trying to be, trying mm-hmm. to make this work. And, and it shows him, you know, so he takes, he takes out a loan and he basically buys his way into F1. And what, when I researched him is... Like, it shows that he's self-made, but it's actually, he bought his way in twice. And what I mean by that is, so he does that initial thing where he buys his way into the team and he he races both F2 and F1 for them for a couple years. And then that team's not doing so well. He actually took out another loan and bought his way into another team. Oh, wow. That second time around, that's when he meets the other driver who then... That driver gets signed by Ferrari, and he's so impressed with Nicky Lauda, and he tells Enzo Ferrari about it, and then Enzo Ferrari hires Nicky Lauda. So he took out a loan twice to be able to keep racing in F1, which is just a crazy risk. The loan was, like, collateral with his life insurance. Like, if he doesn't make it, like, he's screwed. And then the other crazy thing is I was looking through his driving history... So he races, I forget, three or four years he races with these other teams that he bought his way into before he makes it to Ferrari. If you look at his wins or for every, for your wins, you get points up to like, I forget, 10th or 15th place. I think after that, you don't even get points if you even just finish the race in F1. He had zero points the first two years. And then the second team he buys his way into, he only... From what I can tell, the car breaks down a bunch because he doesn't finish any of these races. He only finishes a few of them that year. He only has two points for the whole year. And then he gets signed by Ferrari the next... Like, this guy doesn't have a good racing history, Mm -hmm. but apparently he's so impressive setting up the cars that the driver he's with, 
like wants him to be on the Ferrari team with him. Wow. Which is really crazy when you th- he's he doesn't have like a successful racing career and then gets signed by Ferrari because of it. From what it sounds like, he really gets signed by Ferrari because he's so good and so knowledgeable with the cars. And he goes from having two points with the team before, I think it was fourth overall, with Ferrari his like first year, and then he gets first place like the second year, which shows you the car is just as important as the driver, right? I can't think of anyone else who would go from being kind of a nobody racer to... Ferrari is like, it's... Right. It's still a really good team now. I think now you have other teams like Red Bull that are really good, but especially Ferrari back then in F1, I mean, it is like the team to be on. It's the creme of the crop. And this guy goes from having two points all year to then going to drive for Ferrari, which is absolutely crazy. Just kind of shows the type of guy he is, I think. yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about the wedding scenes because I think this movie mm-hmm. does a really great job of never losing its vision of putting these two characters next to each other. Yeah, there's a lot of other stuff happening. There's races, there's the crash, but it always kind of comes back to these two characters and how to contrast them. Mm. So we have, you know, because Hemsworth having this elaborate wedding and everybody's there and mm. then a few scenes later you have, you know, Nikki Lauda giving that great speech to his wife and right. they're like getting married in secret and yeah, like just like at the courthouse right yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know it was just one of those things where i'm like oh this movie is it balances it so well to show right. us each of the characters in different in different ways so um let's get to nikki lauda or daniel Brewer playing nikki lauda and his accent oh, yeah. i think it is one of the greatest accomplishments <laughs> honestly you, these American actors can't even get one accent, right? Here's Daniel Brühl doing an Austrian accent and doing an impression of Niki Lauda in German, in English, and probably also oh, in, in the Italian. in Italian. I didn't think about that. Yeah. It is absolutely insane. Yeah. It, and, and and while wearing prosthetics in his mouth that make him look. If you exactly look at the like pictures, especially of the real Niki Lauda at that age, like at the younger age, I mean, they look. You like wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Yeah. Like they look identical. I mean, it's, well, I mean, so does James Hunt and um, and Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, they look yeah. very similar too. Yeah, and actually, I w- I didn't realize it's this just, originally. It's not as much but of like, a transformation for Hemsworth. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, it's not. But what I was surprised and shocked about was when I heard uh, like Hunt actually talk in an interview. Hunt interview this morning. Yeah, I was like. I, I was amazed and shocked on how similar they sound. Yeah. And That's, just like their right. their mannerisms. Like I didn't give him as much credit mm-hmm. because I thought it's it was so just like subtle. him. Yeah. But wow. It was, it, I mean, he did a phenomenal job acting in that movie. I just didn't even like realize. What, mm-hmm. what I know is mm-hmm. he, he nails the specific English accent James Hunt has. And then also there's a certain timing to how he talks. His cadence. Yeah. His cadence yeah. that Crimson have were, and you don't even notice it because you just kind of. It's so believable. Because you it's just so almost... subtle. You just kind of think it looks so effortless. It's just like, oh, Chris mm-hmm. Hemsworth just kind of being Chris Hemsworth. But it's actually no, like he's doing these really subtle things to turn into that guy. It's just kind of outshined by Daniel Brewer, who is just going through this insane, insane transformation yeah. with prosthetics. They're both so great. Well, just I can maybe do like a pretty good Austrian accent speaking in German. I don't even know how I would do one speaking in English. I kept trying to do it. You know, I'm not like terrible with impressions and I kept trying to do it. I can't do an Austrian in English. It's not even just that. The expressions he uses when he's speaking in German, there's one sentence where he says, sieh jetzt aus wie wie Rennfahrer, where he speaks high German, same Mm -hmm. as us, we would have said, wie Rennfahrer. 
And he makes a point of doing it very, very Austrian way of mm -hmm. saying that and using Austrian ex expressions. And I also checked in with Marie, who was on our episode for Animal Farm, who is Austrian. And she hadn't seen the movie, but from all the scenes she saw, she gave it her Austrian seal of approval for Daniel <laughs> Bruhl's acting in this, which... Yeah, it's just it's just incredible. And also when we watched Goodbye Lenin, we talked about mm. the fact that his Berlin accent really kind of comes and goes. So to see him grow as an actor mm. so much and like... I don't know that he's ever going to be one of these A-list actors, but he's... At this point, I feel like he's the most underrated actor in Hollywood because you can plug him in anywhere. Well, I think he's a he character actor. I, I feel like he's, he's, he's a character actor and right no, now that's I feel like character actors have kind of a shtick they do, right? Like that's no, their character. No, take, um, no, Christian Bale's a character. Actor. Christian Bale's a star. Okay. That, and that's just right now is actually being allowed to be somewhat a leading role, which in the past it never was a leading that's role. True. It was always like a side character that, you know, got to play that. Really? But yeah, kind character of, actors yeah. were not really like a thing. Until recently, well, like I feel like, I feel the like De that's Niro more kind of pioneered that whole thing, right? Okay, a yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like character actors have been. I, I'm saying that it's not always been the case, and it's becoming more and more prevalent for those character yes. actors to take bigger roles. Well, and also Daniel Bruhl speaks like what five languages? You can see that in something like yeah. um, in Glorious Bastards, his French is perfect, his German is perfect, his English no, he's, is perfect. He's insane, and. I mean, we grew up with him in Germany because he was in all these German movies, and he kind of just popped into Hollywood out of yeah. nowhere. That's why I feel like a lot of people still don't know him because he just kind of showed up out of nowhere. You didn't have that progression of like, okay, he was, you know, he played so and so in a Marvel movie, and then they gave him like oh, a leading God, movie, yeah. right? There isn't that progression of you kind of get to know this person, you see them going through the ranks. He just kind of shows up in Hollywood all of a sudden. I don't. He showed up in, what was it, the Captain America movie out of nowhere? Like, he's the villain? Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, what? What's Daniel Blue doing here? Like, all of a sudden, he's in all these side parts in Hollywood. And, yeah, good I mean, for him. No, it is yeah. good for him, but it, it also makes it tough when the general public doesn't kind of see you come up. One, one thing that's such a stark contrast between the two movies is just Ron Howard. He makes a movie about F1, which Americans aren't really that familiar with. It takes place mostly in Europe. And it, the movie to me feels very European because it's just, you know, you like there's just nudity in the movie that you wouldn't see in a Hollywood movie. Oh, that's movie, true. Right? Americans hate nudity. You see reason, Chris yeah. Hemsworth's butt cheeks and there's like boobs three times. It, it feels very much like in a like a European yeah. style movie, even like even though Ron, you know, Ron Howard's like a big American director, it doesn't mm. feel like other stuff he's made and. Just the way things are filled, it's filmed more, with the drugs and the nudity. It, yeah. To me, it's maybe one of the reasons it didn't do so well here. It's just hmm. there's a certain kind of commercial, yeah, commercial feel to it that's just not there. It just feels yeah, like but it almost get, it feels like a semi-independent movie almost. I don't know. It did get nominated for a bunch of awards over in Europe, right? Um, which but makes also, sense. I think the movie to me has more of an artistic feel to it. It does. Where yeah. I really like looking at it. Whereas in Ford versus Ferrari, I couldn't really say there's a lot of shots where I'm like, oh my god, that really blew me away, right. or like. It's like one of Ron Howard's best movies, but like top five, it's got to be. Like he did such a good job with this, and I wonder, maybe it is a little bit smaller budget. Because he wanted, you know, he wanted to like see his vision through. Maybe he didn't want to make this giant, mm. big Hollywood blockbuster mm. where he can't do everything he wants to. 
There's a great there's a great shot right before Chris Hemsworth gets divorced and he's kind of going off the rails. He just lost his F1 team, right? He doesn't doesn't have a team to drive for and he's all alone in the house getting drunk, doing drugs, like racing little toy cars. And there's this angled 40 like 45 yeah, degree angle. shot yeah. from the vinyl and the vinyl is in focus and Chris Hemsworth and the whole room is out of focus and you can just kind of can sort of tell what he's doing. And it does that shot a couple couple different times throughout that whole scene. And it, it's shots like that. Mm-hmm. And just the way, I already said this earlier, the way it shoots some of the racing from, like, really low on the ground. Like, there's some really just great shots in this movie. Mm-hmm. And you're right, Ford versus Ferrari doesn't... No, it definitely comes off it more feels Hollywood. A little bit more, yeah, it just feels a little more cookie cutter. Yeah, it's, cookie just, cutter, it's yeah. very Hollywood. Yeah. Very, I'd, very blockbuster. Like, I, I, would, I would see Ford Ferrari again tomorrow. Like, it's a, I had a good time watching Yeah, no, no, it, it's a great movie. Um, I wanted to make a note of some really interesting script writing choices. Um, the scene where they vote on if they should race in the Nürburgring. Um, in actuality, mm-hmm. Lauda only lost by one vote, so a lot of people oh, really? were really yeah. scared. I think it's a really great movie making thing to make to give them only a few votes and then have mm-hmm. Chris Hunt say sometimes it helps to have people like you I think right. that's a really interesting and smart decision that you have to where well, you can't always represent reality no totally and like uh, where James Hunt in the Spanish Grand Prix gets disqualified and makes it look like Nicky Lauda ratted him out like that his wheelbase is too long I couldn't find any evidence of oh, that no. it was just the regulators will like just randomly pick out cars after a race uh, and make sure they're illegal. There was there was like an an issue with like the New England Grand Prix mm-hmm. where Nicky Lauda's team did challenge the race because um, he won after going off of a right. like cutting through yeah, to yeah, get yeah, through yeah. A, a, like a and that got overturned. But that actual scene didn't happen. The thing mm-hmm. is, I don't. I'm totally okay with that because it just it just it builds on their relationship in the mm-hmm. movie. And I think when you take liberties in the movie. It should help the movie in some way, right? Mm, Build the yeah. characters or the story. And the problem with Ford Ferrari is at some points is it takes liberties that don't lead anywhere. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the mm-hmm. scene in the warehouse where Ford mm-hmm. is just yelling at the workers, right? If you're going to take liberties on a story, like it should it should sort of have a point, no? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like helps. not only that, but like liberties in a story, if they're going to take it, it should summarize and ca- um, summarize like a longer period of time you know mm. like the scene that we talked about earlier with the with how they first met like you get so much of their relationship in one scene that would have taken you know 10 mm. scenes to build that's yeah. the kind of stuff that it should take liber- uh, liberations mm. on you know mm-hmm. you to just to move the f- movie forward and yeah. through a time lapse that you're not allowed to show because you're trying to make the movie two hours yeah. versus four. There's also so many great little details in Rush. So I already mentioned in the beginning of the movie, there's all these different languages being spoken, talking about the condition of the race, which was a big deal. And then the first, I think it's the first shot you see, it's Nicky Lauda, you know, he's kind of narrating. And then you see him in the Ferrari and one guy comes up to him he's, and he's like, well, this, you know, so-and-so... That driver, he's changing his tires. Do you want to change yours? And he looks over at Hunt. He's like, well, is Hunt changing his tires? The guy's like, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. And then Nicola's like, then we won't change our tires either. Then later on, when you come back to the beginning of that race, which is kind of the center of the story where the crash happens, you see it from Hunt's perspective. And a guy comes up to him and he's like, so-and-so's changed his tires. Do you want to change yours? And he goes, well, is Lauda changing his tires? Mm-hmm. And I won't either. It's like the same scene, but right mm-hmm. opposite each other. It's just 
there's little details like that that I didn't like. I didn't notice that on. Yeah, it's a smart uh, movie. It is. It's yeah. very smart. And all these great little details yeah. really add up. Um, another thing that I it's just a little fact: the race in Japan where Niki Lada then pulls over to be with his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping oh, yeah. the wife there, I think, is also really great because after the crash, she asked him to retire, and she mm-hmm. never went back to one of his races, which I support, and I would have done the same thing. I would have been like, "Why are you still doing this?" Yeah, keeping her in the movie is really smart, and then also there was about four other drivers who also pulled over because the race was too dangerous for them which isn't shown in the movie and you don't have to but i thought it was just interesting and and even the interviews you guys watched this morning they always ask about how do you feel about you could die at any moment then yeah yeah it was so dangerous Ugh, totally. It's crazy. And I mean, when Nicky Lauda died, I think he died at age 70 when we talked about it. I, I think he was exactly he 70, yeah. had two kidney transplants and a lung transplant. And I mean, his body was just breaking down and yeah. it was such a lucky thing just to have him right. for all those years because, man. Yeah, but he said that when they pump his lungs out, I didn't even think about this. Yeah. So what happens is your lungs are in a vacuum so they can't pump in air so you can't breathe while mm-hmm. they suck out your lungs and you yeah. go into like a panic so from what i read is they didn't want to put him in any kind of give him anesthesia because mm-hmm. as soon as he would fall asleep they weren't sure if he was gonna wake mm-hmm. up again interesting uh, which i can't even imagine like not being Ugh. able to breathe and like pumping out your lungs yeah, that, 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 <laughs> the whole thing with him in the hospital after oh, the crash God. is brutal and every time that he like puts the helmet back on like i get emotional every time <laughs> Auf, Nikki. Such, such a great scene. <laughs> and you, I can't believe you didn't mention this yet. The, the music in Rush is. The theme is really good that Hans Zimmer made for it. Da, 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 I always forget da, Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer's yeah. the guy. Yeah, I just. The music just works just really. It's fantastic. It just adds so much. And it's always like the right music at the right time. It's nothing too crazy like uh, when you're watching a certain Western movie. Maybe. <laughs> we just saw Tombstone with Tubby for the first time. And the music, I don't I didn't Oof. remember how ridiculous the movie the Such music a great was. Movie. <laughs> um, Anybody no. else have any more thoughts about any of these movies? Um Well, I definitely feel like Rush was just such a like perfect movie. Like it, there wasn't anything I would really trim from it. And going back and watching Ford versus Ferrari out of the theater, like there's definitely mm-hmm some things that I would, they're both great movies, but there's definitely some things that I saw through the movie that I was like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe this isn't as great mm-hmm. as I thought the first time I saw it. But do you still think that Rush maybe needs a little bit more explaining and exposition or by the end of the movie, you kind of got what was happening? No, I got what was happening. Okay. It, 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 there was no point during that movie where I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Even in the very beginning when I, and I didn't grow up, knowing anything about right. it they did such a good job of explaining everything that like i really never felt like i was behind yeah because of it which seeing your reaction to ford versus ferrari like i could t- see how you would feel like that because they didn't really explain it but i had already known all that stuff so it was right. like to me it was like oh okay this makes sense but mm. seeing it from a different perspective it was interesting I think it is a better movie, but I'm also biased towards Rush because, yeah, I grew up with Nicky Lauda being on TV all the mm-hmm. time. So, you know, I'm going to be more interested in F1 and that story than Chevy and Ford. I think that's different, too, though, because it's, it's not Ford versus Chevy. It's Ford versus Ferrari. And that storyline I didn't really know as much about, but mm. I could see, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I knew that it was f- like American cars versus 
European cars. Mm -hmm. And that was more of where I I knew a little bit about it. No, I like like both movies a lot. I think they're the best. They're probably the best two racing movies to come out in like the last... Well, when did Rush come out? 2013? Yeah, like in the last 10 years, I would say. Like Rush, Rush, I wouldn't want to watch every day though because I have... Because I feel like the impact of some of the emotional scenes, like it's it's just a heavier, just mm-hmm. a way heavier movie for me. I think it's a better movie, but I, I would only want to see it once once in a while just because it is mm-hmm. like a lot. Where Ford vs. Ferrari, I feel like you just put that on any day of the week and kind of, you know, yeah, pop no... some popcorn. And it's just more of like a, <laughs> again, not not to call it cookie cutter, but it's just more of like, okay, no gross like a fun, of fun little movie. Yeah, like bones hospital. sticking yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're just i think they're both very different movies but i both like them a lot mm-hmm. the only yeah. thing is if if you like kind of racing movies like i and i suggested this to you there's a and i think it's on netflix right now it's a documentary called senna which was about Ayrton oh, senna it's phenomenal which i i want to say he raced he started racing right around the time nicolata was retiring i think because if, if, if you watch Rush and you see those driver meetings and they're worried about the safety of the course, there's real footage of that kind of stuff Aww. in Senna and you really get an insight of how that works. And the way Ayrton Senna died is he died on the racetrack. I haven't seen the movie in a while, the documentary. I want to say it was right after, though, he did a vote like Nicky Lauda did in the movie and he's like, there's certain parts of this track that are just so unsafe. And then he ended up, he, you know, he crashed and actually died on that racetrack then shortly thereafter you know it is a thing that totally happens and it's so much safer now than it was before mm-hmm. but it's crazy that these drivers almost had to like unionize and protect themselves and take these votes mm-hmm. like the people on yeah. f1 and the people owning the race cars they weren't like watching out for these drivers no you know? they want their money <laughs> yeah. it's just huh. crazy how far we've come i think both, that's it both good stuff you want to you want to uh lead us out tabby yeah. where can people find us on instagram and twitter at modern life pod you can check out our website modernlifepodcast.com and you can email us at modernlifepod at gmail.com yeah that's it see you guys soon well hey, darling yes love give me the fizzy pop please yes love you want one too, Shelby? No. Oh, yes, please, no. Marley. No. You can get his own. Just for me, please. <laughs>